0: I'm going to do a little bit of teaching for you this morning. I wouldn't always try and do that in a communion service, but uh, you've got me for the morning, so uh, uh, I'm going to go for it because uh, I want to pick up on a particular phrase in our uh, um, uh, our gospel reading, uh, which is one that often... Well, not the phrase puzzles us, but uh, the people were puzzled, weren't they? When Jesus came to be baptized, and John the Baptist was puzzled anyway. He's thinking goodness me, uh, you should be baptising me, I'm the sinner. I'm doing a baptism here for repentance, for to wash away the sins. But what are you doing coming to me to be baptised? I don't get it. But uh, Jesus says, uh, uh, in, in the gospel says, uh, uh, basically, don't worry. Um, just find it a minute. He um, says, don't worry, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this. To fulfil all righteousness—a bit of a dark, a, a, a dark phrase. On earth. What is he talking about? So I don't want to talk about that a minute. So uh, uh, for a few minutes, what does it mean? He said, "I've got to do this to fulfil all righteousness." And uh, 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 another way of putting that, I think, is that uh, Jesus came from heaven as the carrier, the bearer of righteousness and justice to us and to all the nations. And uh, in the middle of that, he gets baptised to fulfill, to begin to fulfill all righteousness. We, uh, If we want a bit more information on uh, what's kind of going on in this baptism, uh, it really helps us to look back into the Old Testament, as uh, Kerry has uh, rightly uh, uh, illustrated for us. Um, We want to understand a lot of the things in the scriptures that we hear in the stories and the comments that the writers make on the stories. They're constantly quoting, sometimes just alluding to scriptures. You know, they kind of make an echo that if you knew knew about it, you say, ah, he's talking about something in the Old Testament. And the more we know our scriptures, the more they come alive for us. And uh, the lectionary writers help us. So today we have with uh, with the Matthew reading, they have twinned up Isaiah 42 Verses 1 to 7 which is one of the well-known servant songs in Isaiah which describe in those days a mysterious servant who was going to come and nobody knew who it was. We all know now and it's quite clear from the New Testament and Jesus himself in fact that he is the servant of the Lord. But if I just read the first uh, verse of this uh, servant song uh, here is God saying here is my servant whom I uphold my chosen one in whom I delight. Do you notice an echo of the New Testament reading here? What does the voice from heaven say? This is my beloved son, uh, whom I love, my chosen one, uh, in him is all my delight, or in I, with him I am well pleased. It's almost as if God is quoting Isaiah 42, verse 1, from heaven but he's put it have you noticed he puts a new what's the biggest difference between that and what god says i would say servant yes here is my servant and jesus often said i have come the son of man comes not to be served but to serve he comes as a servant but god is saying here is my son or if you like here is my servant son and i'm really pleased with him and that picture of being a servant immediately begins to play out by the fact he says, no, I'm here to serve, I'm going to be baptised. And we'll we'll come to to that. Uh, I'm not here to say, here I am, the Messiah come to save you. Now you are all repented from your sin, follow me. No, he comes first of all as a servant son. And of course the verse goes on, I will put my spirit on him. And he will bring justice. Interestingly, the word for justice in the Bible is almost the same as righteousness. Uh, It is the same usually. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice and righteousness to the nations. Ah, So we're beginning to get an understanding of what this baptism is about to fulfill all righteousness. (coughs) Uh, Let's go on to the uh, next verse because it just naturally follows. Uh, So how does he come when the servant's son comes? What kind of way does he come? As we said, he doesn't come to lord it over them. Uh, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Uh, it's like you've got a... They had candles that were burnt, burning, the wicks, that horrible smell coming when the... Uh, when, when it's just struggling to keep a light. He won't snuff them out. He will blow your face. Dying embers of your face. He will nurture it until it comes back to life. That's the kind of Messiah that we have. In other words, uh, and uh, uh, he's, he's not going to come shouting, he he's not, he's not going to be a John the Baptist, you brood of vipers, who comes, why are you coming here to repent? <laughs> no, uh, Jesus comes, there's, there's a place for that because uh, he's talking to the Pharisees, not those ones who are coming to be baptised. But those who come to him with needs, with sin, whatever it is, have you noticed Jesus' attitude was always gentle. Uh, very patient and persevering. He comes in humility and gentleness and perseverance. Have you noticed some of those words come in when we start talking about the Holy Spirit? Love, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, patience, perseverance. Uh, And the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the righteousness of God. So what we're, we're beginning to say now is that Jesus comes to show forth the righteousness of God. And uh, uh, in the Old Testament, that might have been a bit more of a John the Baptist type righteousness. It seemed to be more like that. You know, if you obey me, you will be blessed. If you disobey me, you will be cursed and my wrath will be upon you. Which is true, because that is God's character. God cannot change his character. He, he, he cannot tolerate sin. Sin burns up in his presence. And the wrath of God is not a, its not an emotion, it's just who God is, that, that sin must be destroyed. It must be uh, removed from his presence. If God is fully present in a place, sin has to go. Uh, and that's just who God is. But he is also love. And, and those two are not in contradiction. It's just who God is. We might struggle to understand them, but that's who God is. Uh, and uh, as we struggle to understand that, God... God didn't struggle to understand it because he knew that in his son Jesus uh, grace and truth would come the law came through Moses and that sometimes was a bit worrying because we couldn't really do the law the law looks good but you find you can't do it Uh, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ and he shows forth the righteousness the justice and the mercy and the love and the patience and the perseverance of God which are all part of his character are you with me? So uh, And people began to say, oh, actually, that's what God is really like. We look at Jesus now. They might have been a bit surprised. John the Baptist was a bit surprised. But he's the kind of person that if you've got a need, uh, 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 he will meet you at that point of need with kindness, gentleness, healing and forgiveness. And actually, if you still haven't quite believed that um, this passage in Isaiah 42 is directly linked to what Jesus is doing in the Gospels, you only have to turn to a few chapters on to uh, Matthew chapter 10, uh, and uh, if I've got the right chapter there, can't find it so easily in this Bible. And, <coughs> sorry, Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. Let me look at my notes. <coughs> and uh, Matthew chapter 12, uh, from verse 15, we find that um, we find that Jesus, like you and me, gets tired and weary of all these crowds mobbing him and wanting everything done. So what does he do? He oh, I go off for a rest. I withdrew to a, a lonely place. But what happens? Many followed him. What did he do? Run away? No. He healed all their sick. So hundred people came to him, flocking out into the wilderness, he healed one hundred people. So it's one of the rare occasions where he actually very clearly says he healed all their sick. But warning them not to tell who he was. This is he's meeting their individual needs to to increase their faith, not to broadcast who he was. And then Matthew says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I've chosen, the one I love whom I delight. We've just heard it, haven't we? (laughs) He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out, till he leads justice to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. And uh, uh, that's an interesting phrase. Slightly different, it's probably from the Septuagint. Till he establishes, till he leads justice to victory, Uh, not just establishes justice on the earth. Because Jesus has come to give victory over sin, condemnation, the world, the flesh, the devil, everything that is against us. And his baptism is all about that, showing forth the righteousness of Christ. Firstly, in his gentleness and his his meekness and his care for each one of you and each one of us who has a need. But also in his perseverance, he's going to see this right through to complete victory over everything that is against us, coming out of the water in the power of the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. We won't talk much about that today, but uh, that's all there in, in our readings uh, today. So, uh, are you ever discouraged? I'm sure we are as human beings. Uh, was Jesus ever ever really um, discouraged? I would say no, he wasn't discouraged. Uh, he, he got tired, he got weak, uh, he, as occasionally, uh, showed forth uh, some of the impatience, impatience of God with sin, <laughs> not with sinners, and said some fairly blunt things. Uh, but we see he was not discouraged even when people came seeking him with their needs. He would uh, he would find fresh courage, fresh strength to meet them at their point of need, as long as they were coming with humility. He met them with humility and gentleness, uh, so he can encourage you. He will not falter or the word says here, doesn't it, verse 4, he will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice and righteousness on the earth. So every step he has to take to be humble and to identify with us, he does it. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute, but he's showing forth the righteous character of God. And I, I had a kind of fresh revelation on that when somebody was talking about, uh, about this a few, few months ago. Uh, um, and I thought, oh yeah, I've not really seen it like that. You know, uh, um, why does Jesus come as a suffering servant to die and bleed upon the cross? Is this some sort of special mission he's sent on? No. It's actually just showing forth the character of God. That's who God is, and in Jesus we see just how loving and gracious God is. When we see Jesus, we see God in all his fullness, and he's loving, kind, sacrificial, And meets us where we are. So even if we get nothing else out of this sermon, that's uh, uh, hopefully something we we learn afresh today. Uh, uh, But uh, just secondly, before we move on to uh, the the end part of the reading, um, this righteousness that he's showing forth is actually part of his calling. He is called to show forth God's righteousness. Uh, If we go on to um, uh, verse 5, it's a long introduction, verse 5. This is what God said. I'm the one who's created everything. I've done everything else, but now I've got this special job. Uh, Verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you, Jesus, in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand to help you through this difficult journey. I've called you in righteousness. Um, If you want to know a little bit more about that, the parallel prophet who had a harder time than uh, Isaiah is Jeremiah. and Jeremiah chapter 23... Uh, I thought you were gonna do a bit of Bible study today. Uh, Je- Jeremiah chapter 23, when oh, no, I can find it. Uh, verses five to six. I don't know how quick bar just Jessica is on there, but we'll see how we get on. Je- Jeremiah 23, 5 to 6. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord, our righteousness. So you see what's going on here? Jesus is called the righteous branch uh, and he's coming as the Lord to show forth the righteousness of God, but it's to become our righteousness. The righteousness of the people of god so how does that work it's the righteousness of god but it becomes our righteousness it seems a bit of a contradiction how does it work well it all comes together in jesus doesn't it because the very next phrase says uh, uh, in, in isaiah 42 um, as jesus god said i'll take you hold of your hand i will keep you and i will make you to be a covenant for the people Oh, there's an interesting phrase. Covenant is very key in, uh, in, 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 in Jewish and Christian thought. They would had various covenants. We won't go into those, but the main one we know is the Old Covenant. The Old Testament. Have you heard of the Old Testament? <laughs> that means the Old Covenant, by the way. And the Old Covenant, they tend to think of the covenant with Moses. But now God is saying to this suffering servant, son, I will make you to be a covenant bet they didn't understand that when it was written. But we do now, don't we? Because Jesus is a covenant between God and man. How can he do that? Because he's fully God and fully man. So Jesus shows forth, first of all, which is what I've been talking about up to now, the righteousness of God. This is god's character this is what he should do should he be baptized absolutely because i've come to love and reach out to all these human beings and they're all being baptized for their sin so i'm coming to to do that as well but uh, uh, that's my character and my nature but i'm also doing it because i am a man you know we've seen the righteousness of god as the son of god he's showing forth the righteousness of the son of man who is a man and the righteous is the Son of Man is that he's the only one that can identify with all those sinners that are coming from the whole countryside of Judah to be baptised, whether they've, whatever they've done wrong. Uh, he said, yeah, identify with you lot. I know you. I know. And I, I'm having compassion. And I'm being baptised with you because this is part of your salvation. And, uh, and I just had a fresh understanding on this this morning as I was thinking about it. Basically, here at this very point, Jesus is being a bridge between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He completely fulfilled the Old Covenant. Nobody else did. He was without sin. Uh, but he's being abridged because they, when you operate under Old Covenant, and I, I, I bet you've done this, I've done this, been here, done this. This is this is the way most religious people operate, right? Here's most people's view of Christianity. Here's a good book. got lots of guidelines in it, lots of morals. Ten Commandments, though. Those are really good commandments. Now, for the rest of your life, you make sure you try and obey those Ten Commandments, otherwise God won't be happy with you. Um, excuse me. Yes. But that's Old Testament thinking. And it hasn't added the Old and uh, the New Testament. That's the law that came through Moses. But we're not Jews. We're Christians. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you haven't know the Gospel if you've only done that much. You ain't got there yet. That's just religion. And religion usually gives you guilt because you know you're not good enough. I know I cannot do this stuff that I've been asked to do. So even these, all these her, herds, uh, crowds coming out to be baptised, saying, yeah, okay, John the Baptist, we get the idea, we've failed, we've, we've, we've not done the covenant, we're going, to, we're going to be good people now, we want to turn our backs and repent of our sin, and when we come out of that water, we're going to live a new life. The only thing is, when they come out of that water, could they live a new life? Could they change themselves? No. they probably do better for a bit. They might slip back. We'd be the same. But Jesus is the bridge because he comes and he's baptized with them and for them to fulfill our righteousness. Because he takes down into the water all their sinful nature. You go and read Romans 6. Yeah. Uh, he takes all of that down into death, uh, so that we are buried with him, and he's buried with us, and all that sin is buried there. Our sinful self He's crucified and buried under the water. And as you come out of the water, we take hold of the righteousness of Jesus Christ our God and his life and his resurrection power. He imputes, gives us his righteousness. You are constituted righteous deep inside because he comes to live inside you by his spirit and you are made righteous because Jesus is in you. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you are then empowered as he is filled with the Spirit. At this point, you see the Holy Spirit comes down because here's someone who's been baptised who's, who's actually fulfilled the righteousness. And so, right, okay, now this new, new life of humanity, this new creation, the Holy Spirit can come on this now, this Jesus, on behalf of all of us who are to follow. And we uh, can no longer need to live by the law now, but by the Spirit. And we can do it now. You can be like Jesus now because Jesus lives in you the gospel the covenant is right at the heart of what's happening here this is a bridge between the old covenant and the new covenant and so it shows for the righteousness of God and the righteousness of man finally then uh, we come to the end of the uh, the the passage as he goes on to say the very next phrase I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people so that's already a bit of strange for them because uh, uh, they thought they'd already got the covenant a covenant for the people and get which people do they tend to think of? The people of Judah and Jerusalem, the people of God. But then he suddenly says, and a light for the Gentiles. Oh goodness me, we've forgotten about them. <laughs> I think I said it said last week or whatever. You know, ninety ninety-five percent of the Old Testament is tends to be about God's dealings with the Jews and the people of God. And five percent somewhere or another gets in about the Gentiles. Well, here's some of the five percent, I don't know how many percent, but it comes in every now, especially in Isaiah. I've called, and especially with the servant, servant son, add the word son. I've called you to be a light for the Gentiles. So, this righteousness now, that is not just the righteousness of God and the righteousness of man for the Jews under the Jewish covenant, suddenly he's opening up a righteousness that Gentiles who know nothing about the law can partake in. How can they do that? There's only one way by works. By faith. This is the righteousness that comes by faith. That's what you partake take off, Because we're not Jews, at least, we, even if you're Jew, you don't come on the basis of the Jewish covenant. You now come by faith. It's the same for all of us. And, uh, uh, and that is New Testament Christianity. And um, it's another day for another sermon on it. But um, if you want to do a Bible study... And you've got a Bible app with notes. I've got something called the Blue Letter Bible, which is really good. It gives you good little background commentaries if you want. Just click on the right button. Uh, I was looking at that yesterday. Um, it, gives you, it even gives you the Hebrew and Greek if you want. I don't use that very often. But I'm sure if you look up these verses or any others, even if you haven't got rows of Bible commentaries on there, you will find some helpful notes to understand them somewhere on the Internet. So it's easy these days. But what I'm trying to read for you is the righteousness that comes by faith. And it's Romans 3, to give Jessica a clue if she wants to help me. Romans 3, 20, uh, 21. I'm just going to read it and then you can go back and think about it. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets, especially Isaiah, testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile. So all those Jews coming saying, yeah, we're sinners. And the Gentiles are thinking, yeah, we know we're sinners. We we can't get anywhere near this Jewish lot. Uh, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous. But we are justified freely by his grace. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Oh, there you are. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as... And now we're going into the communion as we come later. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice or his righteousness because in his forbearance he'd left the sins committed beforehand, before Jesus came, unpunished. Every now and then he kind of said he disciplined them, but ultimately... The punishment didn't come till the punishment fell on Jesus on the cross. That was the ultimate punishment for all the sins that have been committed in the past, all the sins committed ever in the world. The punishment, as opposed to just the discipline and the, yeah, this sin's got to go, the purification fell on Jesus Christ. Unless, of course, you don't avail yourself of that, in which case we remain dead in our sins. But if we avail ourselves of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, he's taken the punishment quickly just a quick word on commentary on the word punishment he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished he did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time remember that justice is going to reach to the ends of the world so as to be just and the one who justifies makes righteous those who have faith in jesus a bit complicated but maybe you understand it a bit more now after what i said this is the heart of the gospel that's why it's the heart of romans And Paul began to get it, and it's all through the Bible. Well, I hope that bit of teaching helps you afresh to understand the righteousness of God, the righteousness of man, which is primarily Jesus' righteousness. But when we are baptised, we are baptised into his righteousness when we come by faith. And the wonderful result of that is then you get to the bits we're familiar with. Verse 7, be a light for the Gentiles, then what does Jesus say? I've come to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness, to the ends of the earth. We're back in epiphany now, (laughs) aren't we? The wise men last week, coming from the ends of the earth. And uh, now we're back in light, in the darkness, aren't we? And uh, just to conclude, um, well, first of all, we see that when this righteousness starts working, It just overflows through Jesus in physical healings. He healed all those who came to him. Spiritual release and just light into people's hearts when they start. Ah, this is the Messiah. We believe. You know, centurions come and put their faith. You'll come from God. You know what you're doing. Yeah, you you receive by faith better than the better than the than the Jews. And uh, just was just reminded as I read that. Of course, this this applies to all religions, all religious backgrounds. And what you will find with um, I'm sure Dippin will concur with this, what you find with people that have been converts from other religions, other faiths, Hindus, Buddhists Buddhists and so on, is that when they come to Christianity, my wife's a case in point, she's from a Buddhist family, a Buddhist background, she said, when I came in to Jesus, it was like coming out of the darkness into the light. All other religion, my religion before then, did not bring me light. But when you come to Jesus, you're in the light and you want everyone to be in that light. Because he's the only one that is the light of the world. And that comes through his righteousness and all that he's done. And that's kind of started at the baptism of Jesus. So I hope that encourages you. So let us, as uh, as we reflect on that, let us pray before we come to communion.